0: Chapter 27 of Betty Baird's Ventures by Anna Hamlin Weichel. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Holly Jensen. Chapter 27 The Reception. The studio was charmingly lighted by scores of candles. Spring flowers fresh from the ground abounded, the tang of wet earth and sunshine and spring rain still clinging to them. Burnished copper mingled its soft glow with the sunny gleams of old brass sheffield plate and queen anne silver hobnobbed with quaint pewter pieces priceless eastern rugs covered the floor and were like counterparts of the stained glass through which the waning daylight flickered and betty's bouquets they were banked on mantelpieces tables everywhere mr anstice sent a countless number he vowed that betty should have more than any other debutante in all greater new york then there were the king's and mrs Brooks's, jack's and craig's and Dunnies and mrs dosworth's while several dozens came from the friends of miss minturne who had grown to be friends with betty at the many afternoon teas the pines girls and teachers sent another dozen or more and bishop wayborn himself sent roses with many wishes for betty's health and happiness paul's offering was an immense cluster of yellow roses of the same variety as the one she wore the night they met at the pines reginald's was orchids altogether betty had outrivaled everyone in her number of bouquets and even mr anstice was satisfied betty's gown was exquisite a present from her cousin miss payne it was of sheer white material and made with the highest art the result being a gown not only modish but of charming simplicity lois was very attractive in a parisian gown a fluffy pink and she carried a few lilies of the valley from a bouquet dunny had sent her her gentle high-bred face framed in the dark hair was smiling and happy and her cheeks since coming to the country had become delightfully rosy the two girls stood surrounded jack with his mother and dunny had come early and jack announced immediately that nothing would drive him away until the last guest had departed he had come to stay and dunny backed him royally in his determination mrs brooks was going on to another reception by and by two old schoolmates from kip academy are coming it's a surprise for you so i won't say another word said jack turning hastily away oh how mean exclaimed betty lois he has a surprise for me and won't tell me what it is listen to a girl's logic returned jack looking very superior as if a surprise would be a surprise if i told and he took his friend dunny's arm and pretended to walk away do do tell me pleaded betty her curiosity aroused what is jack teasing you about asked mary king mary he has a surprise and he won't tell me what it is answered betty oh good there's craig ellsworth unmindful of her place in a very informal receiving line betty hurried off to greet the clamor boy of course jack and craig were acquainted and they with mary and lois soon formed an interested circle around doctor and mrs baird doesn't mrs baird look like a picture in that fashionable dress and hat against that background of old rose wall whispered lois to mary as they came up lois drew close to mrs baird oh isn't this the loveliest reception you ever saw and isn't betty glorious it is delightful mrs baird's eyes followed her daughter in spite of her efforts to appear interested in other things betty was now welcoming three young ladies very beautifully gowned who with the perfect ease of those accustomed to many social affairs entered gracefully why mrs baird there are three of the pines girls one is miriam kendall think of it which one is miriam asked mrs baird the small dark-eyed one the other is caroline wren and the third helen dyke i must go over to them yes miriam had come with the warm firm handclasp that betty gave her all the old hard feeling vanished mr anstice and miss minturn stood a little aside after all there is nothing sweeter and dearer than a bevy of graceful pleasant well-bred girls said miss minturne these are uncommonly pretty too he answered studying the different groups yes said miss minturne thoughtfully and she glanced from one to another yes she repeated but it is their air of good breeding that constitutes their charm they are well-bred yes and that is rather striking is it not for i hear on all sides that our american girls are not so polite as their mothers were pure nonsense retorted miss minturne that's what every generation says of succeeding ones blessings brighten as they take their flight and our grandmothers believe they were pinks of perfection but i have my own opinion the girls now are much more wholesome than they were in my day i only hope they will preserve their charm along with this out-of-door manner they carry around with them they have so far they have a champion in you isabel mr anstice answered yet i agree with you but bless me how crude they seem were we like that he nodded towards a happy circle of laughing boys and girls yes just that light-hearted theo answered miss minturne it is better as it is now though isn't it how can i fail to believe in compensation when i am allowed to stand here by you and twenty years ago you hadn't time for theo Anstice except to carry your coat oh cried miss minturne surely yes wherever i went i heard that repeated i only said it as a joke theo perhaps the compensation comes in that now i am willing and glad to carry your coat and you allow me he said slyly that's decidedly ambiguous i won't let you aim your sarcasm at me when i am having a children's party your revenge must be satisfied when you see me brought to giving children's parties like any good auntie you know isabel there is only one woman in the world for me and only one man for me theo but i won't tell you his name can you guess with a laugh miss minturne hurried away leaving mr anstice looking after her questioningly wait a moment isabel said an elderly woman putting out a detaining hand as miss minturne passed and with the other raising her jewelled lorgnette i want to congratulate you on your beautiful young friend she went on looking steadily at betty she is charming how well she stands i notice especially her respectful way of listening to older people a lost art isabel it delights me that she has met your approval dear mrs oakley answered miss minturn earnestly looking admiringly at the older woman the lorgnette dropped gracefully and a pair of keen eyes met hers you must bring her to my receptions there is not another girl unless i accept her dainty friend who suits me as she does you make me feel like a successful mamma laughed miss minturne but mrs oakley could see that her interest in betty had brought real warmth into her eyes and voice though according to her habit she had to laugh off her emotions mr anstice sauntered up who are these handsome youths who have just come in he asked miss Minturne moved towards the door i don't know them i must go and speak to them why there is bishop Wayborne with them they must be the grandsons betty has told me about betty said jack in a low tone be prepared your surprise has come betty looked round eagerly oh she exclaimed and clasped her hands delightedly why didn't they tell me they were coming there were the bishop and his grandsons paul and reginald speaking to miss minturne betty ran over to them and the bishop held her hands in his old kind way so long that reginald interposed i think you might let us have one at least grandfather oh the greed of youth sighed the old gentleman and he turned to speak to dr baird who had crossed the room to meet him i never dreamed you would come exclaimed betty i say that is nice laughed reginald so we were not expected or wanted only invited you didn't dream we could stay away did you said paul gallantly reginald you are meaner every time i see you cried betty how did you manage to get away from school paul well i made up my mind to come and i came he laughed as he spoke but betty saw the old indomitable expression around his mouth well it was perfectly lovely of you both to come i never had such a glorious day betty sighed in her contentment betty you haven't changed a bit said reginald you are eighteen now aren't you you are only six months older so you can't patronize anyhow it's mighty good to see you again why here is lois he exclaimed betty had guided them up to the table where lois was pouring tea with dunny assisting her faithfully the afternoon passed swiftly with the continuous stream of arriving and departing guests the entrancing strains of soft music the merry hubbub of fresh young voices the festal slamming of carriage doors the calling of footmen the rolling of carriage wheels and puffings of automobiles the last vehicle to leave was the brooks's car bearing away dr and mrs baird betty lois jack and dunny it was an unqualified success said dr baird when the family had gathered together in the hall to talk over the reception betty smiled into the fire yes it was a beautiful affair mrs baird answered happily and we can never cease to be grateful to miss minturn yes and to mrs king said the doctor i am pretty tired said betty i think i'll say good-night so shall i said lois suppressing a yawn but when they began to comb their hair either because of the electricity that flew from the comb or of some elfish spirit that takes possession of girls when they comb their hair together at night suddenly they felt very wide awake and shrugging into their white dressing-jackets they sat down on betty's window-seat they soon commenced talking about everybody and everything, and what everybody wore, and what everybody said, and what everybody must have felt and didn't say, and what everybody said and didn't feel. Oh, it was perhaps the best part of the reception. Didn't Jack look handsome? said Lois. Yes, and Craig too, said Betty. One would think he had attended receptions all his life. I was so proud of him. They were silent the night was warm and their window was thrown wide summer was coming betty leaned on the broad sill and lois among the pillows had her hands clasped around her knee both were tired from the unusual excitement and exertion of the day yet they could not make up their minds to go to bed outside the moon was rising above the cedar and in its light they could see the sparkling surface of the bay the outlines of the hills the cloudless sky and the shadowy garden while the gentle sounds of spring and the murmuring fall of water through the mill gate rose to them intermittently betty broke the silence i feel lois that our life will be different from this time on i too feel that way i hate to go to bed wasn't it splendid betty to see the bishop's grandsons again betty moved uneasily they haven't changed much have they pursued lois no returned betty hesitatingly you and paul began lois betty interrupted her by tossing back her hair from her face and standing up i think i must go to bed don't betty i couldn't sleep i feel that i shall never sleep again interposed betty my head is in a whirl we had a fine time anyway said lois glorious paul never took his eyes off you persisted lois we're good friends yet i can get on with jack so much more easily said betty yes you are different with paul you are rather quiet he kind of scares me paul i thought you admired him so i do i admire him until i can't tell the difference twixt tweedledum and tweedledee when i am with him said betty poor jack poor craig poor reginald not poor dunny retorted betty just then the owl in the cedar tree gave out its rattle note unvaried the owl is hooting at us said betty the girls laughed softly the moon now standing above the cedar threw its brightest beams on the old house Betty leaned out of the window and lovingly patted the broad old shingles where the moonlight rested placidly. You dear old house, you won't have a mortgage on you long. End of Chapter Twenty Seven. Recording by Holly Jensen. End of Betty Baird's Ventures by Anna Hamlin Weichel.